This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Raw Reaction series back after a day's break. Uh, apologies, there was no show yesterday. I was in London at the London office uh, for the second time since I started. It was quite nice to see people. Obviously, you know, you work with, with Bailey and Kai and everything, but it's just nice to see people in person um, because this world has really changed the way in which we, you know, live our lives. So being in an actual place and doing some work around people, having a chat, being able to do that. If you watched the Arsenal Way show yesterday, you would have seen that we did the show in person, um, in a room. I know the sound quality wasn't the best. It's obviously it's the first time we're doing that and trying to change some some certain things about the way in which we do that. And I'm sure it'll be better next time. But it was good to just see faces uh, up in London. And uh, I'm sure it'll be something that happens again soon, of which, of course, I will tell you if there's going to be a show that isn't going to be there in the mornings. But we're back today. So... Good morning to everybody in the chat box. Hope you're doing good and well. Let's just say good morning to everybody, Matt G. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning to Wilson. Good morning to Paul, to Martin, to Peeny Ween, to Connor. Good morning, guys. I've just noticed that I'm on the Wi-Fi. For some reason, I haven't actually decided to plug in my Ethernet cable, which I now can't do because we've already started. So I'm hoping that the internet quality is fine and you can hear me all right and you can see me fine. But do let me know if there are indeed uh, any issues with the connection. I'm hoping that it's fine. Uh, Marcus, good morning. Uh, NSW, good morning to you. Uh, BLMS, uh, thank you. Good morning to you. Uh, Courtney, Bruce, Don, good morning, guys. Hope you're all doing well and enjoying uh, a whole week to not think about Arsenal other than the first half an hour of your Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, etc. So let's, without further ado, crack on with today's show by telling you to go and subscribe to the Arsenal Way. Link is in the link tree, as always, in the description. So do make sure you go and check it out. Scrolling on to our first story. And usually what we do in this section is we highlight some of the really positive comments that have come in the uh, channel's comments section over the last uh, day or two uh, but actually slight change to that today because I just wanted to shout out the discord server in particular who yesterday 
uh, was mad. Um, something that, that is good about the Discord server, and obviously if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's basically like a forum where all the members of the channel um, just congregate, chat, talk about Arsenal all day long. There's also a place in which people can you know, chat about the problems and the issues that they're having. And you know, yesterday, and that counts me too, it's not just people that are in there. So in a discussion about some of the issues going on, uh, at the moment, the support and responses in that was insane. So I wanted to say a big, big thank you to everybody in the Discord server for all of the support. Um, some of you gave me some proper essays to read, but I enjoyed every single one of them. So thank you uh, to everybody that did send in those kind uh, words. And uh, and I really do appreciate you. Um, we kick off, though, by telling you to go and give a read to a piece um, that I put out this morning. Uh, actually, it came out last night, 8 a.m., tweeted it out this morning. Um, talking about kind of the state of the fan base after those two defeats against Crystal Palace and Brighton. Um, talks about kind of the how Arsenal's fans are already at their th- at each other's throats, basically. Um, talking about the term flip-flop, which is something that has gradually, you know, integrated itself into the Arsenal vocabulary and kind of how silly it is is a bit of a use of a term. And it goes into that and a lot more. So do make sure you give that a read. The link to my page on Football London is in the link tree in the description, but you can see the tweet on my Twitter page if you want to go and check it out there as well. Uh, we kick off, though, with a frustrating story about Kayon Edwards, uh, young under-18 striker scoring plenty of goals. His contract is running out, and Chelsea have made contact with the young forward and will be looking to poach him from Arsenal as well. Uh, it's, a, it's a frustration. You can understand why he may want to move on. Chelsea's a bit of a weird one. You don't know how he's going to get more minutes, but with following Balogun here, being kind of the main um, youth academy project. And then you've got Mika Biereth as well ahead of him too. It's difficult to see him getting minutes in the near future in the senior side. So it makes sense that he's looking at possibilities and other options. But Chelsea, considering their striker situation and the fact they buy a striker for 50 million plus every season, I don't know why that would benefit him going there. I thought he'd be somewhere else. But it's uh, a situation that Arsenal are struggling to deal with at the moment. Moving on, though, to players that are still at the club at the moment is Reese Nelson, of course, on loan with Feyenoord. He has a year left on his deal when he returns to the club in the summer. He got on the score sheets uh, at the weekend for Feyenoord and is really kind of, you know, improving at the moment and showing exactly what an asset he could be to Feyenoord. There is indications that Feyenoord would be open to signing Reese Nelson on a permanent deal in the summer. How much, though, that they'd be willing to spend is still certainly up for debate and we don't know an exact fee of what he would cost, but I think Arsenal might struggle to get close to £10 million if that for Reese Nelson. You're probably looking around half of that figure if we're lucky. We'll have to wait and see uh, how much he he does indeed end up going for. But Arsenal need to try and make sure that they can get as much money as they can for a player that, you know, is going to be, is homegrown. If was to come back to the Premier League, would be an asset. And it's still got plenty of potential. You just can't see it being realised at Arsenal. Moving forward to the players that could be coming into the club and James Madison uh, has returned to the news outlets but more specifically towards a Tottenham deal because of Tottenham's uh, current situation of looking like they'll probably beat Arsenal to the Champions League places this season. James Madison has emerged as one of their main targets for the summer to 
usurp Arsenal's interest that they had, of course, in 2021 before they went and signed Martin Odegaard. Arsenal still said to have an interest in him, uh, although where he would play in the team is still a little bit uncertain. You would imagine that left centre midfield slot where Xhaka is playing kind of a more advanced position. But Spurs look to be the more likely to land the England midfielder. Arsenal, however, could have a good chance of signing Douglas Louise in the summer if they do intend to push ahead with a deal for any of their midfield targets. Uh, and Douglas Louise is a player that would certainly add plenty of quality, although depending on the price, how much he would improve on what our starting options already are is still very much, I think, up for debate in itself. Is he a significant improvement on Granite Xhaka? Is he going to give us a lot more than Granite Xhaka? I think there's a discussion to be had there. And is the amount of money that he would cost worthy of that replacement? Yuri Tielemans, another central midfielder linked with Arsenal. Supposedly us and Manchester United, the two main teams looking at him with a price tag of just £25 million. Pounds. Been far from Leicester City's best midfielder. In fact, James Madison and Dewsbury Hall, you would say, have been better than Tielemans this season, although perhaps because of his contract situation, which will be just a year in June, that is probably having an effect on his mindset and mentality and the way in which he's playing. Although, that being said, do we want a player with that kind of fragility to their mental capacity? That sounds a bit harsh, saying mental capacity, doesn't it? But I think you understand what I mean. Um, Tielemans, yeah. Uh, I like him a lot. I think he's a really, really brilliant talent at 24 years of age. He's got a lot to come from him. But is there better options out there? But for £25 million, it would be an incredibly good deal, in my opinion. Now, Ruben Neves is going to cost Arsenal double what Kieran Tini, Yuri Tielemans is being quoted at. 50 to 60 million pounds is arguably what Ruben Neves would cost Arsenal. That's how much Wolves would be wanting for the Portuguese midfielder. For me, it's a solid no. I am not paying 50 to 60 million pounds for a player that I don't think significantly upgrades on what we've already got. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a really, really good player. I think he would add quality to the team. But I don't think for 50 to 60 million pounds, you're getting enough of an upgrade on what is existing at the club. If you're going to spend that amount of money, which is bordering on, you know, Arsenal's second highest ever transfer fee for a player, we need to make sure that they are one of those marquee, proper, top signings um and so for that reason i would move away from that right now uh and lastly darwin nunez unfortunately despite all of the talk all of the rumors everything that was discussed chelsea (laughs) manchester united uh are said to be two of the leading candidates for Darwin Nunez's signature in the summer. Arsenal were confirmed to have wanted him in January when Benfica were not interested in selling him. The price tag is €80 million. That in itself is a discussion to be had, uh, whether or not we move for a player at that level, at that kind of potential for €80 million is also another question. But he is said to be uh, ahead in the races with Man United and Chelsea that are not going to be Arsenal. Arsenal are not being considered as one of the leading candidates anymore for Darwin Nunez. So there you go. Uh, I I don't know who we're going to sign is the honest answer. It's almost impossible to know who Arsenal are going to sign this summer. It is massively, massively dependent upon who 
uh, or rather where we finish in the league this season. If we are somehow, by some miracle, able to get the Champions League in the end of the season, then obviously that will open up a lot more doors to us. If it is to be the Europa League, there'll still be plenty of players that we're able to bring in. But who knows how much we're going to be able to spend. We're going to have to wait and see. And I think that an 80 million euro price tag, I don't know if that puts us out of the race for Darwin Nunez. And that is all of today's stories. We now move on to the chat box and your questions and suggestions, of course, of the poll. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that poll idea. It's just simply not the right time. But uh, we will move on to the chat box and move on to what you guys want to ask in there. Okay, if you've got any questions, now's your time to throw them into the chat. Um, Isoa says, why not give Mika Bireth a chance to play as a super sub? It's a solid question because, you know, the characteristics of Bireth are very different to what we actually currently have at the club. He could come in, give us a little bit of a more physical aerial option. Uh, he's over six foot in height and despite, you know, his inexperience at the senior level, is he a better option to bring off the bench maybe than Eddie Nketiah at times? Or even Lacazette, what so far he's shown this season? Maybe. I wouldn't mind seeing him on the bench whatsoever. Zander says, morning, Tom. Uh, Pablo Marie wants to stay in Serie A. How much should we ask for? He's a player with, what, two, three years? I think two years left remaining on his deal at the end of this season. I think you should be looking again for something in the range of five to ten million pounds. Uh, we spent around that much. You want to try and recoup as much as that money as possible. He's not playing for us. He's doing okay for Udinese. He's been one of their better players. I think that when you consider how much potential is still left, you know, he's in his prime years, 27, I think, years of age. He's only going to maintain that level for a number of seasons before, you know, I say that, but centre-backs kind of mature into their 30s and do quite well, especially of the style of Marie, who's not the quickest, more about positional awareness, passing, etc. So I think we could get a decent figure and try and recoup as much money as we pay for him as possible. So that is, is where I sit on that one. You see, it says, Tom, thoughts on Barca wanting Gabriel this summer? Um, Gabriel as in Magalash. I've not personally seen that link, but I don't doubt that you've seen it yourself. If that is the case, then Arsenal, if they are going to move him on, should be looking for a massive fee. But I don't think they should be looking to move Gabriel on at all. I think Gabriel has been part of this improvement in our defence. And when Saliba returns, we need to see that group together. We need to see a group of really strong centre-backs available to us in the summer. Uh, Big Fats of Lucky says, uh, do you think Tammy Abraham would be an achievable target? He is my favourite. Roma would be asking for a silly figure. That's There's no doubt in, in that, that they would be asking for a ridiculous amount of money to sign Tammy Abraham. Now, after one season, he's probably doubled his market value at this stage. He's done very, very well there. That being said, he does still miss a lot of chances. And and that is maybe something that would slightly put me off going for someone like Tammy Abraham for the price that he would cost. At what Roma bought him for, it would have been a really good move. But now I think that ship has probably sailed. Wilson says, do you see Spurs dropping points from now until the end of the season? Yeah, I do. I think they'll drop points against Liverpool. I hope they drop points against us. I can see the Brentford game being a very tricky fixture as well, possibly too. Who knows? And they're Spurs. Spurs tend to do funny things when the pressure's on at the end of a season. Maybe that won't happen. Fingers crossed it will. 
Let's wait and see. Sinistera or Kokchu, says Menu, bringing up the Feyenoord players here. Who do you fancy the most? Reese is too expensive for Feyenoord with their stadium rebuild. Moller is a fan favourite, but doubt he will ever play for Arsenal. What are your thoughts? I think that what will happen is, is that Nelson will be sold elsewhere. Uh, we won't sign either of those two players, even in kind of a player plus cash deal. Uh, I think we'll move for someone else, uh, especially in kind of a wider role. I think they're looking at significantly higher leveled kind of players over Sinistero and Cockchu. So I think that's probably what will end up happening. And Nelson will move somewhere else, maybe to a Premier League team at the lower end of the table. Jeremy says, I feel Arteta and Edu should be working overtime to iron out their priorities on the shortlist so they don't end up scrambling at the end of the window. Get Ruiz and David and let's get Champions League football. Uh, Reese says, will there be a war chest this summer? I hope so. I'm hopeful that there will be. And the indications are is that Arsenal are planning a significant spend. That will depend partly on whether or not we get Champions League football and how much we have available to spend. But still, even with the Europa League, Arsenal would be looking to spend some money. And he says, morning, Tom, with Partey injured, why hasn't Jack Henry France has been promoted to the first team squad? I think, Andy, the question is more so, why hasn't someone like Miguel Aziz or Charlie Patino since returning from injury come back? into the squads on the bench. I think that's more of a question because they're ahead of Jack Henry Francis in the pecking order of the youth team. So I, before you see him, you will certainly uh, you will certainly see them, I think, ahead of him in the pecking order. Suffolk says, Chelsea game will be crucial to our top four hopes. It is the trip to Stamford Bridge and the North London derby where we must show the grit of a top four team. And if we don't, we might not be top four worthy. Do you agree? I think whatever happens in the Chelsea game, if you can get points from that, it's a bonus. Not any, No one's expecting us to get points in that game at all. No one's expecting us to go to Stanford. But to be honest, there's not many people go, expecting us to go to St. Mary's at the weekend and play brilliantly well and take all three points comfortably with how we've been playing. So if we can go to Stanford Bridge and take anything from that game, it would be a massive bonus to what we want to try and achieve this season. Uh, Pini Ween says, do you fear that we'll see Xhaka out of midfield again? Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I just don't see, I can't see Tavares playing for us again. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But with the way in which Mikel Arteta has, has handled certain players when he seemingly doesn't like someone, they don't play. And it really, really, really costs us. I kind of hope that we go to a back three against Southampton, you know, build up from the back and get that foundation back again. I think there's also more of a shout for Mohamed Elneny in this team. If we are without Thomas Partey, whilst Mohamed Elneny is not the most inspiring of midfielders by any means, what Mohamed Elneny does bring you is he brings you a bit of consistency. He'll give you a solid 6 or 7 out of 10 most games. Yes, he's an annoying with his, his, his sideways passing, but what it will do is it'll add some you know, stability into the midfield. Lekonga, I thought, was really nervous in the game against Brighton. When the pressure was on, he couldn't really deal with those moments. Panicked a bit. We need someone who's got a calm head, and then he does provide that. I know it's not the answer that you want to be hearing. It shouldn't be the situation that we're in. We should have signed a midfielder in the summer, and then in January, we didn't. Um, and I think that with El Nenny, you've got someone that will maybe add a little bit more comfortability to the side. Drew says, Chelsea have a 40 million buyback on Tammy. Would it be possible to make a deal with Chelsea? It's tricky to know what's going to happen with Chelsea because of the whole ownership situation. So until we know what the details are, We'll have to wait and see. Paul says, why has Arteta not taken any responsibility for Saturday's abject performance? He's talked about the team, but not his tactics or team selection. Paul, I don't know. <laughs> it's the honest answer. I don't know why he's not admitted that mistakes were made. He admitted mistakes after the Crystal Palace game. Why there wasn't admittance after that game, I don't get. 
Uh, Hanambe says, uh, I really did think our defence has improved until I realised we are on track to concede more goals than last season. What I would say is, of course, we did concede, what, how many was it? 11, 11 goals? or Was it 11 or 9, 10? Something like that. 9 goals? 9 to 11 goals in the first one? We lost 5-0 to City. We lost 2-0 to Chelsea in 3-1. So... Ugh, 10 goals in the first three games that obviously didn't help uh, at all we considered it four at Liverpool um, I think that the difference is, is the number of clean sheets that we've kept in certain fixtures when we've conceded the heads have dropped and that's the that's the difference that needs to be had is that we need to stop ourselves from conceding and when we do it's obviously that we need to stop that floodgate from opening basically that's what we need to stop. The number of clean sheets we're keeping is positive. And I think defensively, we certainly have improved. But I also think if you look at, we lost Tommy Asu uh, so early on uh, in this season. We lost him halfway through the season, pretty much. We've now lost Tierney. We've now lost Partey. We lost Granit Xhaka for much of the first half of the season as well. It's, it's things that matter. It's things that make differences. So I think there are reasons behind why we've conceded as much as we have. Um, but there has still been definite improvement. David, thank you so much for your donation. If there was a question you wanted to ask David and you've accidentally clicked the enter button, put your next comment in, mate, and uh, I'll read it out for you. But thank you so much for the kind donation, mate. It's really kind of you. Uh, Priyank says, Hi, Tom. Sometimes players take time to reach their potential. I think we should extend Nelson's contract and loan him out again. It depends how much we're offered, and it depends if he wants to. Why would he want to stay anymore? He'd want to move on, surely, Would you would think, is that that's what he would want to do. Um, Minty says, Is Partey too injury-prone? What is too injury prone? It's a really subjective question, isn't it? Before he joined Arsenal, we had no injury issues whatsoever. Just didn't get injured. We didn't have to deal with these types of problems. Since he's arrived, all he's done is get injured. Um, it means that we have more pressure on us signing a central midfielder in the summer and someone that, if Thomas Partey is out, can fulfil that role easily. And so that if he is missing, it, the, the miss is not felt anywhere near as much as it is being right now. I think that's that's something we need to consider. Savi, what are your thoughts on Jeremy Frimpong as a right-back option? He's done really well at Bayer Leverkusen since moving to Celtic. He's very attacking, very different to Tommy Asu. Is that the right profile if we are signing a right-back? I don't think we're going to sign a right-back. I think that we're going to see someone like Brook Norton Cuffey coming through, and I think there's possibly an option there um, to, to not stunt the development of an Arsenal. But uh, I think it will be centre-mid strikers and, and maybe even a centre-back in the summer that we... He aim for kind of bringing in and maybe a left back now as well because of Nuno Tavares. Uh, Manu says, do you believe Mikel has a personal problem with Nuno or is he just scared to play him without a solid right back like Tommy on the opposite side? I have a concern that there's, uh, that he just doesn't really particularly rate him, uh, which is mad considering he was signed during his tenure. But from the way in which he handled him this, this year specifically, I just don't think he particularly rates him. Uh, from the sounds of, and the way in which things are going down. Joshua says, what about Svanberg? Arsenal were linked with him and during the summer. Can he play as a six or an eight? And he would be a great replacement for Xhaka. And he's cheap as an option as well. He is cheap. I don't think he's the person that you bring in as your marquee central midfield signing. I still think that needs to be the priority alongside a striker is a central midfielder that takes us up a level. But as a depth option, as an Elneny replacement, for instance... Absolutely. Certainly a very good option for us. Tulip says, really considering 3-4-3 with Xhaka and Elneny in the midfield just to get that solid base. Saka, Cedric, wing-backs and Smith-Rowe, Gabi Odegaard. 
up top. Wow, that's uh, that's a strange front three. Smith Rowe, Gabby, and Erdegaard as your front three. Who's playing at who's playing at striker? I suppose Gabby with Erdegaard on the right hand side. Um, I think that you can do better. I'd still play Tavares personally at left wing back if you go into a back three and play Saka. Uh, at right wing back with possibly Pepe playing right wing or Pepe on the left and Erdegaard playing on the right. I think there's options if you play three at the back. It gives us lots of different options with the players that are still available. Ronald says, we have to take into account in our transfers that Tommy, Tierney and Partey get injured often. Uh, Isoa says, Tommy Yasu is considered injury prone with Tierney. John says, let's say we finish fifth. Could we realistically look at this season as successful I don't think I'd look at it as successful. I'd look at it as a disappointment, but not a failure. I think it's in that middle ground for me, and I've said this a number of times because of my expectations at the start of the season. I always want to see Arsenal progressing, and I think Arsenal have progressed in a number of areas. The issue for me is that I think that Mikel Arteta's mistakes have cost us, and the injuries that are out of our control have also cost us. Have That being said... You can take injuries into account and put them more into your control if you make signings at opportune moments. We didn't do that during the January transfer window and that has really, really cost us in this season's hope of getting a top four place. Axel says, what are your thoughts on Saka at left back? Arteta will not play Tavares. My thoughts are no, because it should be Tavares. Um, And I know that you're asking, he's not going to play him. So why don't we put Saka there? But I don't see Saka being played there either. Um, I think that Tavares should be played there. I, I know it's avoiding your question, um, but I just I can't answer it with anything other than I would play Tavares. So that's that's where my head's at on that one. Uh, X Gunner ninety six says Arteta needs to go. Sick and tired of fans backing the man. What has he done? We got rid of Emery. Look at what the man has done at Villarreal. Just nonsense backing this man. Again, I'll bring this up as I have done a number of times. The things that have changed under Arteta are significant. Um, you look at the improvement in the recruitment in the market, the way in which we've changed the way in which we sign players. It's not perfect, but it's certainly a lot better than what we've seen over the last 10 seasons. Identifying specific positions that we've needed to improve in, like centre-back, central midfield with Thomas Partey, of course, as well. Right back, doing all of those changes. <clears throat> we've moved on players that we absolutely had to move on. We've moved on players that were just sucking money out of the club. Uh, we've created an accountability mindset in some senses too. It's not perfect again, but we've certainly created accountability in this team by moving on players that were just not getting with the program. We've created a pathway for more youth players to come through. Players have improved as well. You think of Saka, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli have all improved, certainly since they've been here. We've created a system playing out from the back. There is, when we've got everybody available, as we've seen this season, a style of play that we're trying to use. There is a lot that has changed and a lot has happened during this year. I know that when we're in a really poor position, it's really difficult to see that. Uh, and I know that a lot of people use the word standards, um, which gets used a lot. Arsenal should be winning titles. Arsenal should be back in the Champions League. That isn't without a doubt. But it is just my opinion that it is going to take time for us to overcome the mistakes of more than 10 years. And that doesn't happen quickly. That being said... If it is possible that Arsenal can get in a better coach that will continue to do the good work behind the scenes that Arteta, I believe, has done, then I'm all ears for that and I'm all open for that. It has never been about Arteta being kind of this 
you know, profit, if you will. It's, it's never been about that. No person is bigger than Arsenal Football Club at all. Nobody. Not one person. If Arteta moves on, it's not the end of the world. Um, it really, really isn't. And it means that Arsenal can maybe even bring in a coach that possibly is better than Mikel Arteta. You'd hope so. You'd hope that would be the next step if he does end up moving on. But what I would say is, is that I've seen enough that we are moving in the right direction, that I'm not in any kind of mindset to go and campaign for Arteta to be moved on by any stretch of the imagination. That may change depending on what happens at the end of this season and what happens during next season. Not to campaign for him to go, but certainly to change my viewpoint on whether or not I feel a change of coach is the best move for the club. Um, Manu says, I like the amount of excessive... Uh, I like the, um, the likes and the amount of excessive negativity in the chat box this morning is ridiculous. Let's try to stay positive and back the team and smash the likes up for Tom waking up for this therapy. If you could drop a like on the video, people. Very, very appreciative of it. Uh, Axel says, I understand. Don't think it's realistic, but I know I disagree with you, but I would start Eddie against Southampton. Better fit on this. Like, mate, I'd play anyone over Lacazette right now. Anyone can start over Lacazette. I just do not want him in the team. How you can keep a striker that's not scored from open play in 18 games. How can you do that? How can you keep that in when you're going to try and get top four? Genuinely. Genuinely. Tom, uh, that we saved money celebration needs to stop. We saved money by removing players in January. We're still playing football like a house of cards. Khalid, I think you're wrong, personally. Uh, I think that certainly what we've done to reduce the wage bill and get players out of the club isn't something that I'm celebrating. It's something that I'm praising. And they are very different things. Let's not, hi let's not create hyperbole around these things and over-exaggerate what people are talking about. It's things we're praising. It's things we're accepting as really good things that have needed to happen at the club for a long, long time. And we play like a house of cards because at the moment, the depth of the squad is not strong enough. When you've got the starting squad available, we have, in my opinion, one of the best teams in terms of how we've shown the way in which we can play football in the league. We play some of the best football at the moment when everybody is available. You've seen that in so many games this season. But unfortunately, because of the lack of depth, when we lack key parts and unfortunately quite a few of them are missing right now, that is where the House of Cards analogy has so much more weight because of the lack of, uh, you know, the lack of depth that I've already mentioned that is in the squad. Uh, hyperbole. That is not how you spell, spell it, P-Ween, at all. At all. Uh, let's reply to Gunner who says, yeah, I completely agree. If we had a good experience manager, I honestly feel we as a club can go places we have a great set of players and I'm scared of losing though because of what's happening. What I would say is, is that we had an experienced manager in Arsene Wenger who obviously towards the end of his time at Arsenal, things were regressing. His experience counted against him because he was so set in the way in which he wanted to do things that just didn't fall in line with the way in which football was moving. Unai Emery came in, who is a more what you would describe as experienced manager, but certainly not in the field of Premier League football and communicatively was not able to transition to the Premier League, was not able to put across his ideas how he wanted. And that's why you see him do so well with Villarreal and you, why he's done so well with Sevilla and why he also struggled at PSG because he is a manager that is, I kind of trying to think of a right word. Endemic is quite a good word because he, he's really good in Spain. He's really good with Spanish teams, good with Valencia, good with Sevilla, good well with Villarreal. 
he's good with these teams. He knows what he can do with those teams. He knows what he can do and how he can get those ideas across. And that's why you see him succeeding. Emery is not a bad coach. And I don't think I've ever said he's a bad coach. But I do hold him responsible for a lot of mistakes that happened during his tenure. And I do hold it. And I do think he was the wrong appointment at that time. The same in which it was a huge risk to bring in Mikel Arteta when he first started. The difference is, is that things that had to change have been changed under Arteta, which is why I certainly have a lot of praise to give Mikel Arteta. But he's not beyond criticism and never is. And one of the biggest frustrations for me, and I write, I wrote this in the piece yesterday that I promoted, and you can find a link to my page in the description on this. But a piece has gone up, it's on my Twitter feed, about this idea of flip-flops. And you see this word used by people that want Arteta out, and you see this word used by people that want Arteta in. And it is the one of the silliest, ridiculous kind of labels that you can hand onto someone. Because what it's effectively used is, is to discredit someone from changing their mind. Someone from seeing evidence and going, you know what, I've seen enough now, I want to change my opinion. Or you know what, I've seen some really good stuff. He's changed my mind about things. I'm actually going to change my viewpoint and where I stand on this. And the problem with social media and the problem with YouTube is that you put things out there. You either do a video like I'm doing now or you put a tweet out and that has a date next to it. And that's there forever. Once you put it on the internet, it's there. It's not going anywhere. And so people can bring that back up. When before social media existed, were you ever in a position where you would be speaking to someone and they go, hold on. I remember on the 15th of May, 2008, you thought this, but you don't think that now. What a flip-flop you are. No, like, it's it's ridiculous. If you, it's, it, it, as a social kind of thing, it is absolutely ridiculous. People should be absolutely praised for changing their mind and changing their opinion based upon the evidence that they see. If we play badly, I'm going to criticise Mikel Arteta if the mistakes like we saw against Brighton happen. I'm going to criticise them. If we go and play really well against Southampton and he gets the, the team news right and we play in a really good way and he manages to overcome the injury issues that we've had and get a really good result, I'm going to praise that because that's what you should do. You're not married to this idea that if you don't want the manager there, you can't give praise. Or if you love Arteta so much that you think he should stay forever, that you can't criticise him. This mindset of the Arsenal fan base is so strange, or should I say for a section or for some of the Arsenal fan base, is such a strange dynamic. It's really odd. So at the point where myself and Harry Simeu are on Lee Judge's channel the other day, that the level of abuse, I got to a certain extent, but I'm sorry, the way in which Harry was treat treated during that show, not by the people on it, Dan, Lee, Sophie, fantastic but by the chat box and individuals in the chat box was disgusting. It's the level that it's getting to the point where people are racially attacking Harry. It's disgusting. That's where we're at right now as a fan base is that there are unfortunately sections, plenty of individuals that think that's okay. Think that's fine. To abuse. If you have a different opinion to someone, if you have a different viewpoint, if you hear what someone says about Arsenal and they've said it, you know, they've not sworn, they've not used expletives, they've not been abusive, they've not been over-exaggerative, and your reaction is to abuse back, you know, to, to throw out insults, to question their sanity, to question their intelligence. If that's your reaction over actually responding in a way and going, why do you think that? 
Or here's what I think, and here's why I don't agree with your point, and here's a list of reasons why. And actually, the quickest response is to abuse. Then you're the problem. It's as simple as that. And you're certainly not part of what I would consider the Arsenal fan base as it should be. Because if you're a fan base of a team, you support the team. You can disagree all you want. You can criticise as much as you want within reason. Because it's one, there's a fine line with between criticism and abuse. And once you start calling players this, that and the other, and once you start insulting people, you cross that line and you, you're not a fan anymore. That's just the way that it works. Because fans shouldn't abuse their players. It's just not part of the definition of what a fan is. So it's all about taking in different viewpoints, having discussions. And I actually thought when you listened to the debate on the channel the other day with Lee, that, that chat with me, Harry and Sophie and Dan and Lee was a great debate. It was a great discussion about where Arsenal are at right now. Harry put a lot of really good points in defending the situation and contextualizing where he's at with his view on the managerial situation and on January as well. I disagree with Harry's viewpoint in January personally, but we had a really good debate about that, you know, and that's the difference. That's that's the difference. Uh, Ian says, we need Tommy Asu as soon as possible. I think he would solve our issues tactically somewhat. Flip-flop is a word used by people who think their judgment is the word of God, which is weird. Um, Axel says, people need to understand the difference between abuse and constructive criticism. We are a fan base and, the love, uh, and love the club and want the best for Arsenal, both in good and bad times and love to analyze it was good schrodinger's cat flow it was a really good chat uh the other day absolutely i am going to have to wrap up in just a second uh no sleep says there is an extremity amongst football fans in general both those that who would change their mind every game and those who refuse to ever change their opinion are extreme this is another thing that comes up and i was having a discussion on twitter about this the other day i've, I've not personally seen this idea of people that change their mind every game I've not seen this yet. I'd love to, to someone to send me the, the examples of what they mean when they talk about this. And, you know, I'm fairly active, as you know, on social media, but I've not seen examples of people that change their mind every game. What I think actually is happening is that because Arsenal have hundreds of thousands and millions of active fans on social media, that people see a collective of responses for, from a lot of people that say one thing after one game, and then a different set of people collectively say the other thing after a different game. And the perception of that means that people think that the minds of others are changing every single game when really they're not. But do let me know if you know of any examples that I can see of someone who's changing their mind about the manager every single week. I'd love to see it because I personally haven't seen it yet. So I don't know what this this thing is. I think there's a reason from a social kind of perception standpoint why people think that it exists, but I don't think it actually does. Um, I'm going to try and do another show this afternoon, people, so you'll have more than one show today because uh, there was no show yesterday. Uh, and other than that, I'll be back at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning as well. I hope you have a fantastic day. Uh, do go check out the Arsenal Lounge. Myself, Mo, Shaheen and Lev had a really good chat last night about Brighton, about the situation, about January. And of course, as I've mentioned, go and watch the show I did with Lee and Harry and Sophie and Dan over on Lee Judges TV as well. On uh, tomorrow, uh, I'll be having a good chat fingers crossed i won't spoil who the guest is just yet but i'll be having a good chat uh with someone who i personally don't uh have you know i don't share a lot of the same viewpoints and that usually creates a lot of good discussion and conversation so i'm looking forward to that as well it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you guys do drop a like on the video do subscribe if you're new and as always up the arsenal
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.